Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, February 7th. This is episode number 235. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Going great, Rod. Uh, Just been a beautiful stretch of sunny days and, um, you know, loving life right now. Yeah. Um, we got 60s coming down here in February. Yeah, crazy man, it's, February. Yeah, no complaints. And, and the sun, man, it's it's just been great. So, uh, you know, um, it's the off season. The season went really fast. But, you know, yeah. there there's other good things in life, right? Yeah. And I, I hear there's a football game coming up this weekend, but I probably won't watch it. I heard some rumors about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, um, we're going to bring our guest in. We have we have uh, Jeremy Bonham with us. You can follow him at 14 Bonham. And Jeremy is here because Jeremy's our biggest supporter of this podcast. And when we when he was on last time, Jeff was not here. So we decided that we need to have him back with Jeff here. Well, and I just want to interject, Rod. I, I really appreciate you two inviting me here tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it's our pleasure. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure can, the, who the, yeah. yeah. Now like, you can talk about me to my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff can stand up for himself. So uh, tonight <laughs> and defend himself. So what's up, Jeremy? Thanks for not being much. here. How's it going? I I knew nothing, Jeff. I I don't know nothing about anything behind your back or anything along those lines. All I knew, uh, uh, I heard we won a tournament something last year. That's all I knew. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 infamous cornhole win. Yeah, it's coming up. Just keeps coming up. (laughs) What do they say? It's like a bad. What what is it? The uh, bad penny. Bad penny. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't remember the expression. Wow. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> so, uh, good to be so, here. Yeah. So, so Jeremy's back, and and um, you guys get to participate together on a podcast for the first time. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we're not in the season, so um, and there's really no meaningful football left this season, you know, to to talk about. So, right. um, <laughs> so what we're going to do tonight is um, go over a little bit of Brown's news and then we're going to, we're going to do, um, we'll kind of figure out what kind of format we want to do guys, but um, we're going to take a couple of weeks just to, just to kind of go over our impressions of, of, of uh, this, uh, of how players did in the 2013 or the uh, 2023 season. So mm-hmm. um, we might do letter grades. We might, you know, not do letter grades. And we're not going to cover every single player. Um, we'll, we'll cover the guys we want to cover and the guys, you know, um, who we think are important enough to cover. Um, not some of the guys who played, you know, one quarter. 
um, <laughs> things like that. So uh, sorry, Jeremy. But um, before we get into that, my notes. Jeremy's got notes on Jeff Driscoll. So oh, I told so him. Oh, now everything's just probably gone. wasted his time there. But uh, <laughs> if he wants to throw out a grade on Jeff Driscoll, he can. Going uh, on a deep dive all the way back to Florida. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so let's talk beverages first, because I've got a little something to talk about. And and Jeremy, I think I know what you're drinking, but I want to let you go first. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have the same thing as last time. This time I do have it in bottle form. Uh, it's the Yangling Premium uh, Lager. Um, uh, it's a little bit different than the the, the regular lager. Uh, it's got a little bit more uh, alcohol in it. Uh, tastes fine. Uh, I said before I was at a golf course at a Yangling tournament, and uh, the gentleman that was on a certain hole was telling me that the actual oldest beer and the oldest brewery in the united states is the premium that i'm drinking tonight and um out of a can bottle regardless it's good um but uh it's a good beer uh i like it uh supporting local where i'm at now you know what i mean but uh if you get a chance to try it it's a good beer i know you've tried it rod uh not too bad i've got some in my fridge jeremy i keep some on hand just because i never know when you'll show up in dayton ohio that's right. That's right. <laughs> you can you can never be too careful, you know. <laughs> Prepared. <laughs> yep. So, Jeremy, you, you've been drinking Yingling, I assume, for a while. So, well, since and I, and, since and I, I heard some of your reasoning there, but um, you know, did you make a choice between Yingling and something else when you you know when you kind of picked your go-to beer? Um. Not really. Uh, the people, when I moved here, um, like I said, when I was in Ohio, it was basically a regular domestic. We was drinking Budweiser, your Bud Dries, your Lights, and different domestic beers, that regular stuff that you would find, you know what I mean, around. I was a little too young. I don't want to talk about my age when I moved here, I guess. Uh, but uh, when I came here, uh, everybody had Yingling Lager, and it was just a thing, I guess, for uh, uh the area I'm at and I tried it I really thought it was terrible because it was night and day from what I was used to having for a beer and uh, I just kept with it a little bit and uh, that's that's the drink of choice like whenever I go to uh, somewhere and I need a beer or have a beer it's usually my go-to but I'm, I'm not too picky I mean I'll drink just about whatever. I mean, I'm not uh, as adventurous as you guys or Jeff when you was drinking. Um, uh, I'm kind of uh, baby stepping this uh, through uh, um, the more uh, adventure beers. Like I really liked when we was there uh, in Cleveland last time. That that Joe Thomas beer was incredible. I mean, if I yeah. get my hands on that, I drink that every day. <laughs> yeah, Super good stuff. Yeah. It's definitely a good one very good one excellent so so guys i am drinking and there's a bit of a story with this too i'm drinking a, a sonder brewing mango frosted milkshake ipa with mangoes <laughs> and and you can laugh but let me tell you this um I went with my my son-in-law, who wasn't yet my son-in-law at that point. We um, and 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 uh, the girls went too. We went down to uh, um, we went down to 
the Red Stadium, like, gosh, it's probably been it's probably been almost a year ago. Um, I can't, can't remember what month it was. I think it may have been like March or April, and they had one of these beer beer fest things. Okay, so we paid we paid and we went in, and you get to try all these different beers for like three or four hours. They give you a little little tiny two ounce um, cup. And, and you can go up and get samples. They, they say you can try like 20, but nobody counts how many you get. So it's pretty much as many as you want to try. And if you try something and it's nasty, they got a bucket right there. You can pour it right into it and just keep moving. Out of, out of all of the beers we tried, and there were a lot because uh, Josh and I made a list of all the beers we wanted to try, and we tried most of them. Um, we didn't necessarily drink two ounces of every single one, I can tell you. But out of all of them, this was my favorite one at the whole thing. Now, granted, I only had the taste of it, and I had been drinking all different other beers. So, um, you know, it, my opinion may have been a little skewed. But yeah, Sa- Sonder is an excellent brewery. They They do some great stuff. I finally found this beer in a four pack just around Christmas time. And so I split it up. I kept two and I gave Josh two for Christmas along with a basket of a bunch of other beers. So um, it's the first time I've seen it. So I opened, I opened my first one tonight. I got one more in the fridge, but I would recommend this beer to anybody. Don't be afraid about the mango flavor because it's not strong. It's just an excellent beer. So that's my commercial. And it sounded again, to me like something you get at Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so what's yeah, the, I mean. What's the name of that again? One more time. It's a Sonder Mango Frosted Milkshake IPA with mangoes. Oh, my. And they, they fit that all on the label with the. Yeah, I, I tweeted a picture of it out. So well, that's it, Jeremy. Uh, they can only sell 24 ounces because it's all got to be printed oh, on the label. It's got to be printed on the label. Well, yeah. well, it's actually in a it's in the bigger it's in the pint size, Jeff. So right, okay. So there's there more go. room to put on that. There's plenty right. of room on it, but but yeah, that's. Um, it sounds heavy. It sounds heavy. It, it's really not because of the mango. It you know it gives it just a touch of fruitiness, and a, and most milkshake beers are not really heavy. Um, a lot of milkshake beers are a little more IPA ish. This one's really not. Um, I don't know. It's just it's excellent. And I'm again I'm not compensated by Sonder. <laughs> I should be. But we don't mind. We don't mind. Yeah. It, it's a really good beer, guys. So um, awesome. I don't do uh, great endorsements like that very often, but I'm telling you, I I tried probably 30 beers at that thing, and this one was the best. So awesome. Um, so so uh, let's move on. All right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we got got we got a ton of news we could talk about. We're not going to talk about a lot of it. Um, <laughs> you know, Pro Pro Bowl and and some of this other stuff. I don't know. I don't really care about it. No, about you guys. That was um, the worst Pro Bowl, whatever they whatever they call it now. Um, yeah. Worst weekend of of recognizing star players that I think I've ever suffered through. I watched a little bit of it. I honestly couldn't get interested in the format. 
Right. Would you, would you yeah. guys say uh, that it's a little bit less interesting? Like I, I actually, I remember growing up watching the Pro Bowl. Um, I was one of those weird people that, uh, I, I mean, I knew it is what it is, but I enjoyed seeing the stars. Uh, yeah. But now, the format now with the the flag football and all the, I mean, they're playing golf. I mean, Rod, you put out there that. Uh, JOK could possibly, for the first time ever, picking up a club, do something decent with him being such an athletic person, and I'm just like laughing, and I'm like, yeah, no, he's not, he's not. This is gonna be terrible. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, I didn't actually watch that part. I didn't see. It, I heard so. about. I heard a guy went like, it's his first swing. He did something. The second swing, he hit his own like bag that was holding the golf clubs. <laughs> well, when I tweeted that, I didn't even know if he was a golfer or not. I don't think I mean, he is. I don't think he is. Yeah, you hit. <laughs> Golf bag and... yeah, the shocking thing to me was is that you know you, you saw a stadium full of fans who were actually they must have they must have bought tickets for it um, and who so so you're sitting there in a seat in a stadium and a bunch of football players are just kind of like milling around the field just chatting with each other and and I'm sitting there looking at all these people thinking. Why are you still there? Yeah, you, you know, guys, I think the Pro Bowl used to be an exhibition for the fans to see the players all together, you know, like you're alluding to. And now I, it came across to me that it, it's more about the players just hanging out together. Right. And yeah. that it's a reward for them to hang yeah. out together. It really doesn't play well to the fans anymore. Right. Right. Why would you sell tickets to that? I mean, before, I mean, I can see they were saying about safety, about guys getting hurt in this game and such, but it wasn't the last year that uh, our own guy, Miles Garrett, got hurt in a flag football game, like just out there just hanging out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen on any any time. But it's almost like if if they, you know, they might as well have sold tickets to the after party for this. And, (laughs) you know, And fans yeah. could stand outside the window and look in and watch the football players party. Right. You know, that's about it. Thing. I'm just not, <laughs> not as good. <laughs> Jesus. So the, the only real news um, for me anyways, if there's something else you guys want to talk about, that's fine. But um, is the bill, bill Callahan to Tennessee, um, you know, this happened a little bit ago, but uh, bill Callahan to Tennessee to, to, um, you know, to, to, to coach under his son, um, you know, everybody's having fun making jokes about that, you know, um, and, and the fact that the Browns hired uh, their new offensive line coach, Andy today, Dickerson, Andy Dickerson, who I who I guess um, interviewed for the offensive coordinator job, um, mm-hmm. has been with the Seahawks. As as uh, I know, offensive line coach, and um, I believe another position. I can't remember what what else he did there, but I think he was offensive line coach mm-hmm. most recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and Scott Peters, who seemed to be the heir apparent, signed um, signed with the Patriots. So you don't know what all was going on there, but um, I, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on this whatsoever? Or, or is it just kind of a wait and see thing and see how the offensive line performs under Andy Dickerson? Yep, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, 
what I've been hearing is uh, people say about uh, this past year, we brought in Schwartz uh, to bring in a new voice, maybe get the guys fired up, which obviously made a difference, I guess. Um, uh, I think they're probably just trying to do that with the offensive side, just bring in a different voice to kind of get things going. Uh, I heard that Haslam's and uh, different people in the front office wasn't too happy with the progression of Watson. Um, uh, I like I like uh, Alex Van Pelt. Uh, it's sad to see him go. Uh, from what I'm hearing, that's a tough loss that we're getting. And we got uh, Dorsey that's uh, coming in. Uh, but there again, you know, I mean, I, the defense showed last year that uh, these guys need a voice. And if it's not this guy getting it done, we bring in someone else and maybe it uh, uh, jump starts, gets a fire under under the guys and gets them going. That's that's basically all I'm seeing on this. I mean, we had the conversation last time where it's uh, the these guys are all good coaches. Uh, it's just bringing in different guys and seeing who works, who meshes, who works well together. Who does your your guys uh, really want to get fired up and make things happen for? You know what I mean? Not that the guys right. before us is uh, doing a terrible job at what they're doing. It's just sometimes. Uh, you may go to work and you get more out of working with A versus B. Uh, and they're just right. looking to make sure, ju- just to see if uh, B might be a better option. It's kind of hard yeah. for me to to wrap my head around, you know, that, that Bill Callahan's voice had gone stale. I mean, yeah. the man is the most respected offensive line coach in the league. And, um, he, you know, he, he got – a lot out of players that he probably shouldn't have throughout his time here. Um, but there's no arguing that, you know, this past season, the offensive line, yes, we had some injuries, but play was really substandard. So maybe the new voice will, you know, have a positive impact on the guys we have, but I think we're also going to see some turnover in, you know, in that room um, that, we need to have we need to have that right voice mm-hmm. to put that all well, together. Yeah, I, I have a hard time putting any blame on Bill Callahan for the for the line play last season with how many how many different starters they had. You know, yeah. I mean yeah. you know, I mean if you're gonna blame him for, you know, for how the sixth or seventh tackle play then and you darn well better be giving him a ton of credit for how DeWan Jones played while he was out there, sure. you know. So um, I think the Browns just did what was right in letting Bill Callahan go and coach with the son, you oh, know. Yeah. And, and you know, I tweeted out that that was a win-win for the Browns and the Titans, and a lot of people came back and said, well, you know, it's really not. It's a win for the Titans, not for the Browns. Well, you know what? <laughs> it. It, maybe it's not a win as far as who they have coaching, but it, it's a win for how the Browns organization is perceived as not being jackasses for not letting him go and coach with his son. Yeah. So I see that as a win. Sure. And I don't want to argue that on Twitter with everybody who who's came back and said it wasn't a win. But to me, that's still a win um, mm-hmm. for the Browns organization because they did what was right. Um, you know, I don't know how many other teams would do that. Maybe every other team would do that. But, you know, you don't know if that's the case. And and I think the Browns have 
have tried to, um, you know, become an organization staff-wise that tries to do, you know, things that are right by, you know, through their diversity, um, you know, and giving guys opportunities to go and 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 take positions with other teams, you know, whether it's in the front office or coaching. Um, you know, I think they have that reputation now. And and yeah. I think it's just a good thing for the team. Sure. Definitely. Is there any other anything else in the news you guys want to talk about? Are you ready to move into player evaluations? Let's go. Anything you like, Rod, let's do it. Do you guys want to do grades or do you want to do this? I, I really don't want to talk about, you know, guys, whether they're coming back or not. I really just wanted to look at the because we'll be able to do that later on when the roster starts yeah. to get determined. Um, I really wanted to just focus on the, you know, last season and how guys performed and, and, and that. So do you guys want to do letter grades or would you rather just kind of talk about, um, you know, um, talk about it in some other fashion. Maybe we could just do pass, fail, and complete, Rod. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think that's good. It's it's hard to to differentiate between an A, a B, a C, and a D. You know, I mean, it is. It is, and it, yeah, it gets very yeah. It's kind of it very nitpicky. Yeah. 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 I I agree with you. So okay, let's let's go, and we're going to start with offense because offense is fun, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, defense might be even more fun when we get there, but um, we're just going to go. We'll see how far we get, and we're probably going to be doing this for two or three weeks, just because you know, um, I think it's worthy of doing on a team like this because there were a sure. lot of great performances, a lot of guys that really stepped up. So I, th- I think it's worth looking at some of the numbers and and just kind of our perception of how some of these guys did. So mm-hmm. so let's go uh, QB first. And guys, I have three quarterbacks to talk about. Um, <laughs> it, not not five or six or however many played. Um, right. I've got Flacco, DTR, and, and Watson, um, the guys who played. I think the most games um, or, or who, you know, could, could potentially play a part in the future on this team too, one or the other. So um, I want to give PJ Walker tons of credit for, for what he was able to do. I mean, um, yeah, he's not going to be a long-term answer for anybody, but um, I think him being able to get a win or two for us um, was a big deal. Big deal. You know, next man up worked here. Well, I agree with you, and he's a guy who didn't get you know didn't get a lot of credit. Um, you know, had to keep going between the, the active roster and practice squad back and forth. Yeah, and and he he just did it. You know, he gr- um, he was a grinder this year, and and, and yeah, yeah, I give him he, a lot of credit for that. Um, not that there were many guys complaining at all this season, but he he sure as heck didn't. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so, so what grade would you give PJ Walker, Jeff? Um, I guess I'd have to, I'd have to say he passed for what we expected from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, the, the expectation level was, was pretty low. Okay. 
Um, yeah. And I think, you know, from that standpoint, um, he, he probably did, he could have exceeded our expectations like Joe Flacco did. OK, but, um, you know, based on his his pedigree, et cetera, et cetera, um, I think he did a decent job for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his his overall numbers are not, are not great. OK, I mean, one touchdown, um, five picks, a lot of turnovers, um, four fumbles, you know, two fumbles lost. Um, yep. But he played in six games. Yeah, he played when he had to. Um, mm-hmm. You know his QBR is not great, but yeah. but I mean the Browns needed somebody to step in and just kind of hold play. the offense together, right? Right, right. And, and I agree with you. You have to base it on what your expectations are. Mm-hmm. And he was the number he was the number three quarterback at that right. point when he played. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree with you. So, so Jeremy, let's talk some Joe Flacco. Oh my, good times. Yeah, I mean, um, he, play, <clears throat> he only played five games, five games, and he, he threw for sixteen hundred yards in five games with thirteen touchdowns and eight interceptions. Um, you know, I mean, he again, he turned the ball over quite a bit, but yeah, talk about winning some games. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what what can you say about the guy? He came off the couch and the turnovers I saw with the interceptions. I mean, if we go back and look at it, just like any other quarterback. I mean, how many is his fault? I mean, we're talking about uh, the latest interception that he threw in the last game where we end up in the playoffs. Um, he's just trying to make something happen when we're down by whatever he's practicing yeah. or you mm-hmm. know, just trying to. Yeah. Just out and see what he's doing you know i mean i've seen where just like in the steelers game week two i went back and looked at all the highlights of every game we had this year and you see like watson throw the two picks uh early in the game uh and the uh, uh steelers game and it's like some of these are on uh uh maybe people not run the right route or, or not necessarily that the quarterback's fault so to speak you know what i mean and uh flacco from what I saw when he went in there, obviously he caught fire and national news where this is a great story. The guy looked great where he did not. He threw a couple of them where it was totally him just trying to do a little too much. And he kind of made me a little squeamish on some of those plays. But uh, for the most part, I saw a lot of those were like maybe guys were like uh, he was expecting them to go. uh uh, more of a slant than versus uh, like a hot route, just going streaking out. Uh, and mm-hmm. communication, him being uh, new to the club, uh, new to the receivers. But uh, man, uh, all these guys, uh, Jeff said about PJ Walker. I was watching PJ Walker stuff, and this guy was, he was, he was, he was written it out through this stuff, and he was basically just thrown out in the fire. A guy that came from the XFL that's sitting here on our Cleveland Browns leading our team that's supposed to be led by another guy that's uh, on our team, and it's not happening, you know what I mean? Because, uh, I'm sorry, uh, P.J. Walker uh, uh, was was going through and playing great. Like, for what I was seeing, like, for what uh, – his ability is like it wasn't like we was getting like some kind of blue chipper in there this was a guy that was not known by most of us fans 
and he went out there and got a couple wins for us. And it seemed like everybody was doing that. It was every man, next man up, all through the whole season from what I was watching in this offense. Um, uh, yep. I'm kind of lost here. Uh, well, I mean, right. just, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about Flacco. I mean, you know, oh, people Flacco. can be disappointed in how it ended. But, right. I mean, the guy, I, I mean, you can talk about the numbers all day and what he did. You know, he, he threw for 323 yards per game. Insane. <laughs> okay. Insane. Just insane. And, and um, you know, it's not even just about the offensive numbers with him. It, it's about the, the leadership that he provided oh, and the pickup he gave the team, too. Right. You know, and it's not like the team quit before he started playing quarterback or anything, but he was a leader and, and, you know, and he, he really is the, uh, you know, I I don't know. Um, You know, I want to say he's the guy who carried, led the team into the playoffs, but I don't know if they get there without him. Yeah. I apologize about Flacco, but I am the perfect person to talk about this guy uh, at the present moment because I'm right here and I'm amongst all of these Baltimore fans of where I live. I'm five minutes from the Maryland line. I spend a lot of my time uh, uh, in Baltimore or in Maryland and speaking to all the fans that's around here. And I love hearing what they have to say. And wouldn't you know that when we're going our run, we're going on a run with Joe Flacco, each person around here uh, that I speak to, that I'm out talking to out and about, each one of them knows that I'm a Browns fan. I'm a proud Browns fan. And each one of them knew that Flacco was coming in and, those people were given uh, support for Flacco. There was so much love in Baltimore for this man that these people were almost rooting for us over themselves when it came to (laughs) how much they love Joe Flacco. Now, just like every uh, NFL franchise, you have a little bit of uh, um, division within the fans where that you want this guy in, or you want this guy in, or we went through our six was our quarterback. Now we got, four coming in and it's like uh okay you got this and that okay i want this guy i want that guy well in baltimore it's the same thing where you hear a lot of this division joe flacco has a lot of love that's down here and that was a big reason why i went to the baltimore game thank goodness we won but uh because of how these fans are you know what i mean you know what i mean like here and like way they were saying they were showing a lot of respect to us or at least myself you know what i mean being around them you know I mean, talking about like uh, our team and um, Flacco as he, he's got so much love around here. It made me uh, open up a little bit more because it was really weird rooting for the guy. You know what I mean? But it made me open up more to see how much these people cared for him and see how much a great guy and a leader he is. And and people breaking down stuff for me about like, oh, this guy, he's so great. He hits a guy or he goes into this or that. I heard about the play action. His play action's sick. We was watching the games. Yeah. It was like, my totally. goodness, where's the ball? Where's the ball? These guys are talking <laughs> about this. And they're still they're, st- they're showing him love even after the fact. And that speaks highly on the guy. Uh, so I can't. I've changed my mind wholeheartedly when it comes to Joe Flacco. And uh, uh, number one, what he did for us, and I thought it was incredible. 
But number two, like the people that's in Cleveland speaking about him, what he did for us, and the people that's here that still speak about this guy, that, that carries a lot of weight with me. Yeah, definitely. You know, Rod, so, when, when we talk yeah. about bringing in uh, veterans like this, um, you know, wh- whoever it is, we, we, we've thrown out Indomica Sue and, and other guys. You know, my, my statement is always, okay, well, what version of that guy are we getting? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Are we are we getting, you know, last year's model? Are we getting the model from five years ago that, you know, everybody remembers how great he was? Uh, or are we getting the guy who's basically washed, right? Um, and you have to give give Flacco credit for, for, for catching the fountain of youth um, for, for about five, six weeks um, yeah. because he, he played some of his best football. And then, I, again, I, I always give a lot of credit to our coaching staff for, for putting these quarterbacks in a position to do that. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we would – to Jeremy's point, I don't think we would have won four of our last five games um, if Joe Flacco hadn't have done what he did, you know, figured out how yeah. to play play like an all-pro, basically, for, for a short period of time here. That's but, big when he was in yeah. here. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So Jeff, let me let me go to you um, for for uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, he obviously had a tough first game um, yeah. against Baltimore. Yeah. Um, how, how do you think he did? And I mean, he well, was in a tough spot. And I, yeah, and I think that's the you know the other side of the coin for for the you know the the Joe Flacco success really hampered DTR's development this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and probably rightfully so. I, I think the the you know you could make the argument that the times that he played, he, he really struggled. Um, you know, you, you saw some good play from him at times, but for the most part, he was really seemed to be pressing. Um, and so you know, you hope that that experience um, serves him well going forward. You know, kind of got the the rookie jitters out, and you know, we'll come back. You know, next year and or this fall and feel more confident as a, as a backup quarterback and you know, yeah. know what his role is and, and not feel like he has to do too much. I just, I think that was mostly his problem is that he was, you know, trying to win on every single play and, and at times he was just pressing. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I want to say it was a fail, but it's really, for me, it's just kind of an incomplete because, I think he still has a lot more to offer this ball club. He just the, the the opportunity wasn't right for him to be able to get there this year. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I would agree. Uh, Jeremy, what kind of uh, grade would you give DTR? Got to give him a, a, a really good grade because uh, you're talking about a rookie that came out of UCLA that wasn't a blue chipper that was coming out. You know, I mean, that was thrown into the fire. It looked like he. I mean, looking like a deer caught in headlights in the Baltimore game, but there was a lot of good stuff in that game. I mean, you look at some of the games that he was in, there was some good stuff there that where I can be confident looking at him as a good quality backup going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go like this and think that he's supposed to be the savior of the Cleveland Browns. I'm looking at it as where is he going to fit in as a good piece for us. And mm-hmm. uh, for him to fit in and show me what I saw in his rookie season being thrown in it where – I got a quarterback goes down. That's unexpected. You're a couple weeks into the season. <laughs> I, mean, I think he did an incredible job. I mean, 
of course, I mean, it could have been a hell of a lot better, but uh, a guy being thrown in there, like I said, I mean, we wasn't supposed to have high expectations for this guy coming in and being our savior. I mean, he was just supposed to right. come in, learn, and, and, and he got pushed into it from that preseason game. You know what I mean? Like, basically won that job. And and I'm glad he did yeah. because I see I see like Jeff said I mean I see a spot for him on the on the Browns here in the future going forward where he could be a formidable backup quarterback just like uh, I don't mean to bring up the rappers again but Hunley sitting behind Jackson where it's yeah. a nice feeling to have a guy back there that's going to learn system like similar to my original quarterback that's in there and yep. and not be crazy and that takes time. I mean, it takes the right people and maybe Dorsey gets in there and there's something that clicks with him and DTR where uh, he can excel and go up that road where three years down the road, he might be looking at a starting quarterback job. I mean, I would exactly. uh, eliminate that possibility. Yep, I don't want that, to eliminate, yeah, that's exactly uh, what we said you know, when, when the Browns drafted him was, yes, exactly. you know, yeah. we need we need him to be our version of Tyler Hunley. And yeah. if there's one thing yeah. we know about our franchise quarterback by now. We don't know a lot, but one of the things we do know about him is he's going to miss games, and yeah. and we need a we yeah, need a guy to true. be able to step in and run you know run the same offense. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, can you guys really give Watson anything other than an incomplete uh, this season? I mean he he had the yeah. one good game, right? Um, you know, one unfortunately, half. was the game he got hurt in. Yeah, it was right. the second half. Yeah. Um, uh, he's probably still sitting at an incomplete um, yeah. after two seasons here. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, interesting, guys. I was just doing some math in my head, you know, as I like to do leisurely as we're doing the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if if you put all uh, five of the quarterbacks together, um, of course, 17 game season, but. Um, I don't know if you guys have the stats in front of you or not, but do you guys think uh, more touchdown passes or more interceptions? <laughs> I'm going to go with interceptions. Jeremy? Um, that's tough. We threw a lot of picks. I'm going to get picks. It, it's actually 24 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. Uh, uh, most of that's... I, uh, I mean that um, between Flacco and Watson, you, you're uh, 20 and 12. So wow. those guys pretty much um, okay. took care of that part. But um, so 24 and 23, um, 15 fumbles. Okay, they lost five of them. And if you add all five guys together, they're. Um, I didn't do this math completely. I estimated, but it's right at 4,000 yards passing too. <laughs> So, um, you know, if you could eliminate some of the, at least some of those turnovers, you got a pretty respectable season out of a quarterback if you mix all those wow. guys together. You wow. know, then we spot, then we spot teams two uh, touchdowns or two turnovers. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're talking, um, yeah, 20, 23. We probably, we probably, if you averaged it out, that's probably north of 10 points a game that we yeah. gave our opponent. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got 23 yeah. picks and five. That's 28 turnovers just by the quarterback. We're doing it off the bat, like to start the game, though. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, that's play the yeah, that's, game where we were still in that, though. I mean, that's the amazing thing about our season is that I said it kept a smile on our face where 
we were still in them though. We were turning the ball left and right, turning it over, but still fighting. Yeah, we we desperately need some continuity at quarterback this fall. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. I have a feeling that it, it, it it's almost like uh, uh, being a young man and you're uh, uh, dating a young woman and you're you're feeling out process. You become comfortable after a while. You know what I mean? And I think they're 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 past the in a uh, little awkward stage and uh, it's time to just uh, enjoy life. And I think they're going to come on so. as, as long as we can get some people healthy and uh, some people coming back. Uh, uh, my expectations are mild, but I, I, I have a feeling that um, it's, it's time to show people who we are. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's move on to run, running back. Yeah, we're going to do running back next. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Browns game, running uh, running game was kind of much maligned this year. Uh, yeah. And with good reason. They, you know, they really struggled a lot of times. So the question was, was it the, you know, the backs or the offensive line or some combination? So let's kind of go through these guys and see what you thought of their, of their performances. So, I've got four guys written down. It's really three guys who played, and Nick Nick Chubb who got hurt in his second game. Um, I think we probably have to give Nick a. I mean, Nick is Nick. He gets a pass anyway, so um, because he's Nick Chubb. So, um, so uh, let's let's start with the guy who everybody's talking about, and that's Jerome Ford. Okay. Um, you know, Nick Chubb goes down and Jerome Ford becomes the number one running back. And you either love him or you hate him, it seems like. And I don't know if I don't know if anybody loves him, but you're either kind of happy with what he did as, as a guy who had to step in, or you just think that this guy stinks. Um, hmm. There's just a lot of that going around. So Jerome Ford uh, played seven, all 17 games. Um, he had 204 carries, okay? 204 carries. Oh. Um, 813 yards, so he averaged four yards a carry, um, only four touchdowns, um, one fumble. He also was the fourth leading receiver on the team with 44 receptions for 319 yards, five more touchdowns, giving him nine touchdowns and um, I guess that's a, I, I'm assuming he had two fumbles or showing one on rushing and one on receiving. So, so he only fumbled twice all season, but he's got, you know, that gives him, um, what, 319 and 813. So 1132 yards, you know, between rushing and receiving. Um, all I can say about the, uh, about the 44 catches is that if you look at the Browns since 1999 and um, take out a guy named um, Duke Johnson. There have only been about three other backs, three or four other guys who have had more than 44 catches out of the backfield since 99. Yeah. Duke Johnson did it like five times. Okay. (laughs) Um, But he's Duke Johnson. Okay. So, I think the receptions is kind of impressive to me. I think the, you know, the four yards per carry is, is decent. Um, 
but you know a lot of a lot of years you know we look at you know kareem getting 200 or 200 touches 200 carries um jerome ford got 800 yards out of it um i know he disappointed a lot by juking too much by not running the way people want him to run but he also figured out some things in some games and he was running behind a line that had the fourth and fifth tackles out there sometimes. Hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see what you guys thought of him, you know, and, and what he did. And, you know, I think there's room both directions on this, you know, cause, cause I think, sure, he, he probably could have done better, but he could have been a lot worse too. So, um, so, uh, I'm not sure who's up, but Jeff, why don't you kick off on Jerome Ford? I'm not sure how much I can add to that, Rod. Um, mm-hmm. I would just say that that you know on this team, when you, you factor in what the rest of the running back room looked like, um, mm-hmm. I mean let, let's let's be honest, this team didn't want Kareem Hunt. Um, you know yeah. he, he he only came back because of the Chubb injury. And they were very reluctant to give him the ball. Um, and Pierre Strong is is, is very one-dimensional. One, you know, as for a young player, um, he, there there are certain things he can do, but um, he's very one-dimensional. And so so Jerome Ford didn't have any real competition for no. you know the primary no, no. running back role on this team. Um, it was pretty much handed to him when when Nick got hurt, and you know. That's unfortunate because he his experience level was what eight carries, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you know, something like that, yeah, yeah. So it was real, a, really a baptism by fire, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you took all three of those guys and kind of glued them together and said, okay, this is this is what you know the the Cleveland Browns starting running back looks like. Uh, and, you know, you had the, the aggressiveness and, you know, the get the extra yard uh, mentality of Kareem Hunt. And, you know, you had the, the speed and, the, and the, the ability to make people miss of Pierre Strong and, and you know, the, the, the straight ahead, you know, tough running of Jerome Ford, um, which we did see a lot of. We also saw a lot of the, you know, not going north and south from Jerome Ford. But, um I think if you put all three of those guys together, um, you still wouldn't have Nick Chubb. And well, you'd be pretty close, but yeah, you'd be closer. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think that's that's really why you know your 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 expectation level is so high. You know, is because you're used to seeing Nick Chubb at that level. And, and let's face it, you know, coming into this season, consensus was he's one of the top, you know, one, two, or three guys in the league. So you don't just replace yeah. that, you know, no. um, especially with a cast of, of, you know, guys who really don't have much of a resume at that point, you know? Um, yeah. So, so really that, that's, I, I think that's what, you know, sent the running back room off the rails. That's what really, I think killed our running game period. Um, yeah. There were issues with the offensive line, but, um, man, the Nick Chubb in- injury just really sidetracked our ability to run the football this year. And based on all of that, I think, you know, whoever was going to get the, the lion's share of, of those plays, 
should have been able to do those kinds of numbers in their sleep. I think, you know, 800 yards, um, you know, two or 300 yards in receiving. I would think that, that that's a minimal expectation for a Cleveland Browns running back. Um, based on, you know, the way we play. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll give, I'll give Jerome Ford credit for figuring it out as the season went along. Um, and and getting his per carry average up to four because man there were an awful lot of times where it was you know one <laughs> especially on first down. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I'm I'm looking at the stats and if you put um, Kareem Hunt and Pierre Strong together had as many carries as Jerome Ford, so Jerome Ford didn't didn't have the bulk of the carries that a Nick Chubb would have had. Right. You know, they split it up a little bit more than that. And, and wisely so because Kareem was out there a lot on, you know, third and short, fourth and short goal line situations. Mm-hmm. You know, Kareem only averaged three yards a carry, but he, but he scored nine touchdowns and, yeah. and 135 carries he scored nine touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting, but I'm also looking at Nick Chubb's line for the season. He only, he didn't even play two games. Um, 28 carries, he had 170 yards. His long run of the year was 20 yards, guys. Okay, it was only 20 yards. He did not have a run longer than that, and his average was 6.1. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, you don't replace that. And I know yeah. it's a small sample size, but that's Nick Chubb. Yeah, so um, it's going to be a tough off season for the running back room. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Um, it's going to be a really tough off season in the running back room. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with you on all counts. Um, I, I don't know how they see Jerome Ford. I mean, I, I think he's a talented guy, and I I still think that he is as talented a receiver, you know, as he is a runner. And, and I know he had 44 catches. I don't think they've taken full advantage of what (laughs) he can do as a receiver just yet. They they were close this season, but you know, I think he can do as much or more than what he's done as a receiver. Um, Kareem, you know, I love Kareem hunt. I, I don't see how they bring him back. Um, you know, um, and Pierre strong, um, Obviously, the guy can run the football. He averaged 4.6 on, you know, he only had 63 carries, but he averaged 4.6. But um, I think they have to feel like he can do some other things, too. Right. Other than I think just his, run. His best contributions were on kick returns. Turn game, yeah. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. It's going to depend on Nick's recovery, too, you know, yeah. if he's ready yeah. at the beginning of the season. But, right. but yeah. yeah. So, um, so guys, we, uh, we can probably get through the wide receivers here. So, um, I've only got five guys to talk about, which is pretty much the five. Am I, who am I missing? Five are under contract right now. Five are under contract. That that's the only guys we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, what can you say about Amari Cooper? Um, I don't think we need to talk about whether he's a pass or a fail. Um, right. He ended up with 1,250 yards without playing the last game. Um, he was 39 yards away from 
passing uh, passing uh, um, Braylon Edwards at twelve eighty nine for the second most receiving yards in Browns history. <laughs> Happens next year. Well, I I would love to see it. Um, I mean, yeah. Aside from Nick Chubb, I mean, Amari Cooper's the most. He just comes across as the most professional athlete on the team to me. Yeah. Um, he just does. Most consistent receiver I think we've had on this team since 99. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Um, yeah, I I don't know what else you can say about Amari Cooper. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, Mari's the guy. He he's a guy that should be in the Pro Bowl every year. I mean, he's he's a pro's pro. I mean, he's running crisp routes. He's making catches. I don't know how many sideline catches he's made this year, but it's 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 a lot. Uh, I know there's been. A, I mean, there's a couple plays that stands out where you're like, oh my gosh, like he dropped the ball or he didn't catch the ball here. There's a couple yeah. couple plays. I mean, everybody, yeah, everybody drops the ball here and there. He's like the wide receiver version of Nick Chubb. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you're so lucky to have both these guys on the team. Um, Hopefully, we can afford to keep them around and they can keep playing at a high level. But uh, Mari Cooper's, the guy's awesome. Stand out. I'm going to save you some time right here, Rod, because for me, the next four guys are all fails. (laughs) <laughs> when when i mean serious when you have you know when you have a you have a number one like amari cooper and all you need is somebody else to do something right and and the team traded away the number two in dpj midway through the season to, to clear space for everybody else and Aside from a few flashes by these guys here and there, not one of them stepped up and showed that that they they should be that they they even could be in the conversation as a long term answer here. Oh, well, I mean the guy who um, I mean there's only one guy who had significant yardage of the wide receivers, and that's Elijah Moore. So he played all 17 games had. Uh, 59 catches for 640 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Um, not the numbers that people expected or wanted out of him. And they them. forced the ball to him at times, right? Yep. Well, especially early, especially early in the season. I think they figured out how to use him better as the season went on versus thinking they've got this Swiss Army knife that needs to touch the ball 10 times a game. Right. You know, the first what three three four games of the season. Yeah, um, I I agree with you. He's he's better. You know, just being a wide receiver, um, get the ball to him when you can, when he's open. Let him let him be a wide receiver, and you know, and and take your take your take your yards and catches when he's open because you have other guys who are also offensive weapons. You don't need to take. You don't need to. You don't need to ever force the ball to one guy on this team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, and Jeremy. I want to go to you on Elijah Moore because, um, I mean, he had 640 yards. Um, I I don't know. There there were people who thought 
that Elijah Moore was going to lead this team in receiving yards. Um, they weren't real smart because I didn't. I never thought that he was going to have more receiving yards than Amari Cooper. But, anyways, right. um, what are your thoughts as to his performance over over the course of the season? I mean, it, it's not his fault that they tried to force feed him early on. Not at all. And what what I saw was uh, the force feed early on, and we was expecting like the Davos Samuel from San Francisco or this. Uh, 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 the kid from Florida that went into the pros there that had migraines. I can't remember his name. But this Swiss Army, a guy that's quick, sit in the slot, can come out, do all this, can run the ball, basically a Swiss Army knife. And the guy comes out, they're four-speeding him. Uh, Things weren't working out early, but there was a lot of big plays that the guy made throughout the season that we Mm -hmm. needed to win games. They're again me going back and looking at all these highlights and stuff that you don't like pick up on, like thinking about like uh, week five or week seven or whatever earlier in the season. There were some big plays where this guy contributed to the football team. Um, I think that he could be a weapon that came through. I can't remember what we gave up. I think we gave up. I know we didn't didn't give up no second round draft pick or nothing for him. It wasn't that much uh, for him coming over from the Jets. Um, But I think it's it was a late pick. I think it's been worth. Well, we yeah, we moved in the draft to get him, did we not? Be in a, a a prolific spot, like off the bat. Um, um, yeah, I mean, we wish that would have been a lot better. Like uh, we saw, like some fumbles and some weird, like trick plays off the bat where people were running backwards and such. But I think they got things together, and I think there again, it's like the. <laughs> the theme of the night and the theme of the year for the the Browns was next man standing up, the next guy coming up and making a play or or, or filling a role. And um, you got uh, as many injuries as the Browns sustained throughout the year, whether it be the line or the running back or quarterback or uh, anything that was on this offense. It, it affects other players when it goes like this, and we can't really evaluate apples to apples when you got a starting left tackle that's been uh, an all pro player that's out right away uh it's fortunate that you can get people to plug and play and uh, fill a role but it's kind of it's almost like an incomplete grade we can get for all these guys and uh uh from having all these things come up and there's always like uh, instances that changes like what uh, their role is, so to speak. But in the beginning, he was force-fed, and uh, we were a little bit underwhelmed because it was brought out that this was supposed to be uh, something really big. But uh, all in all, I think that he's going to be another good contributor for the Cleveland Browns going forward, whether it be three, four years or however many years down the road uh, as a a slot wide receiver, or, or somebody that's going to um, maybe uh, be in the kick kick return game. Uh, maybe uh, I've thought about like uh, someone like him back there, you know, hands and the ability to get out and be a little shifty. But I, I, I can't put the guy down. I think it's been a little bit successful. I'm kind of being a little positive here. But uh, like I said, with all the things that went on with our season, uh, we won 11 games, and uh, uh, that kind of gives them a, a – uh, more of a positive grade in my eyes for the overall what they ended up doing. You know what I mean? I think it went above and beyond what the ability was, so to speak. We're we're 
I'm, I'm kind of being a homer and I'm being a little bit favoritism to guys because they're playing on the Browns. And I know that we could possibly improve by bringing other guys in. But for what these guys did and what they were asked to do, I think it's been pretty positive. <clears throat> well, and yeah, I guess Elijah Moore better build on that this year. This is the last year of his rookie deal. Um, and mm-hmm. I can tell you that um, two touchdowns isn't going to get him the contract he wants. No. No, that's true. And I think the way I see it, guys, I think Elijah Moore is – He's not a number two wide receiver, okay? He he needs to be a number three on this team. Um, you know, I I just think that's I just think that's reality. The Browns really tried to force him into being this number two guy. Um, they traded their number two to get him out of the way. They never gave DPJ a chance this year. Whether DPJ had anything to do with that or not, I don't know. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, I think I think Elijah Moore works as a number three wide receiver. You know, I just I just don't know if he's more than that. And as a number three wide receiver, he's pretty da- he's pretty damn good. On the roll, but, you know. But um, but yeah, that means you need somebody else in there. Um, looking at the other guys, and we'll just lump these guys together because we don't need to talk about them individually. I mean, Cedric Tillman. Had some flashes. He also had some major uh, bonehead plays and drops. Um, yeah. You can see the talent, but you can also see that he's got a little ways to go. Yeah. Um, David Bell just uh, didn't get a ton of chances. Um, I don't. I don't have targets and, and uh, receptions in front of me, so I'm not sure about those numbers, but. Yeah, it's low, low. Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't matter. I mean, but yeah. they, David Bell had three touchdowns at least. I think two of them were in one game. Yeah, yeah, two in one game. So <laughs> so at least he did something in his right. 14 receptions, three touchdowns. He made an impact right. in those few receptions, you know, um, few opportunities. Um, Marquise Goodwin, you know, as, as bad as I feel about the blood clots and everything, I don't know how much that played into his whole season, but he really didn't do anything. So he's not going to be around. Um, yeah, it's just how it is. You know, I feel bad for his health and hopefully that's all taken care of and everything, but he didn't impact the team whatsoever. So, um, David Bell, to his credit though, David Bell made a couple big plays. That was a key part of a, wins for the Browns this year and that's huge when you're asking for a guy that's not sitting on the field a uh, high percentage of the time in the offense and coming in and making these big catches you know what I mean yeah. um, he's a young guy he's only been with the Browns for a couple of years uh, there again you're talking about guys that we're not drafting in the first round these are not blue chippers that's coming in these are supposed to be developmental players that's coming yeah. in being developed by our coaching staff that are making big plays that are huge in our wins for the season. So I am 100% behind David Bell. I mean, I think he should earn himself. I mean, I'm not talking about paying this guy $100 billion and making my number one wide receiver. I'm saying that the guy's going in and he's doing his part and doing his job and progressing as a Cleveland Brown. I can't get upset like that. You know what I mean? When I'm listening to these guys on X or anything like that, and they want to bash these guys or whatever – I understand you can bash a guy here, here and there, but 
for the most part, let's call a spade what a spade, a spade a spade. You know, I mean, like this guy was uh, what a third round draft pick, uh, fourth, yeah. something like that, third. or whatever. Yeah, third. Uh, yeah, he's got two years left on his uh, deal. They expect from these guys coming in. I mean, to right. me, I'm getting what I expect. I see a guy that's coming out of a school that wasn't predominantly like. Alabama, Ohio State, any of these big-time schools coming in, trying to see if we develop him. He ends up producing and helping us out in a couple games. Yeah, he's not a top-tier this and that, but he could produce into a guy that's going to possibly be uh, clogged uh, in our Super Bowl run in the future. You know what I mean? Like, uh, a lot of these guys like Tillman, I mean, Tillman's a rookie. We saw a couple flashes with him uh, here and there, but the people who Yes, Jeremy's having a little bit of issues. Hopefully, he'll hopefully he'll bounce back on here in a moment. But yeah, yeah, I agree with him. I th- I think um, I mean the, it's too early to get into the future of these guys. But I mean, you look at the contract on Tillman and Bell, and you have to have to expect that those guys will probably get you know get more more of a shot. But they're gonna have to show something. You can't just right. come into camp and expect that you got a spot. Yeah, um, that's just how I, I mean, it is. I'm okay with these guys being, you know, the third, fourth, fifth receivers. You know, I'm just disappointed that that none of them seized on the opportunity to to step up and be number two or three. Yeah, there was definitely there was definitely you see, room. You see, guys like Puka Nakua, you know, other guys around the league come in as rookies and you know, young players and and take an opportunity like that and jump on it and you know really really have great seasons I'd, I'd love to see us be able to do that with a with a wide receiver here you know we just we've talked a lot about how limited our success has been with wide receivers in general here in Cleveland oh. um, as we become more of a pass oriented offense and that you know the last five games of the season we were a very pass oriented offense um, these guys should be surfacing they should be, and well, yeah. I mean, you brought up Nakua, and yeah, that guy was a beast. What I mean, geez, I don't have. Uh, he had huge numbers this year, but you know, they saw it and they played him, and, yeah. and you know, and, and he produced. Just guy, he killed the Browns. Um, right. Um, the guy's just a huge talent. Um, I'm not sure where he, you know, how high he was drafted or anything, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, being able to. Um, find guys like that. Um, you know, wide receivers one spot the Browns have not uh, quite figured out yet in the draft. Um, well, you know. we haven't invested much capital in it. No, really haven't. I mean, really you know, so. if if you if you want a frontline receiver in a draft, you you have to draft a guy, um, you know, with some capital, and you can't wait until the third or fourth round and you know expect them to be a a number one guy. Um, right. So, and, well, and unfortunately, we, season anyways. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so we, give we him, have given five years. Right. So we, we've, we've had to rely on these guys to develop over time and we just haven't had a lot of luck with that either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Are you, are you back with us, Jeremy? Can you hear me at all? We oh, can yeah. hear you. Uh, can you hear us? Okay. Guys, I'm sitting here. I'm a fidgety guy. I turned off the computer. <laughs> <laughs> we I thought you just had enough. About my receivers. I get back in. I'm hearing Puka talk. 
Yeah. That guy was unbelievable. I mean, he was crazy seeing him in the St. Louis game. Yeah. <laughs> or, it was uh, crazy enough against the Browns. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it can happen. It just, you know, hasn't happened here. Right. Uh, my message, though, was basically the positivity I was seeing out of the guys. I mean, we saw some negative stuff, but with uh, the, the positivity for me outweighed the negativity because of the, the, the status of the player. I mean, you're looking at guys that were drafted late or, or rookies or young guys or whatever. And if it's year two, year three, getting on whatever, then we can start going like this and giving them a little bit of hell if they're playing the same way they did in their rookie season and they're not progressing. But um, I would like to give these guys a chance to do that. And mm-hmm. our guys in the front office and our guys on the coaching staff and ownership, all that can see it firsthand in their uh, everyday day to day. You know what I mean? Where we don't get that fortunate opportunity to see it. We, we see a lot of uh, like the games on Sundays and we hear from whatever reports. Uh, but for the most part, I think I think we're progressing in the right way. And I think these guys are uh, living up to expectations, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. really. Uh, I don't expect them to blow the drawers off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, I don't know. That That's what I had to say about the wide receivers about, like, I'm, I'm positive. I'm, I'm super positive about a lot of the team, but uh, from what they've overcome and w- what they've showed us, put smiles on our faces. But uh, it's a good step. It's a good step where we're going. And if we end up losing some of these guys and we end up picking up better guys, it's just showing how much better our organization is becoming, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You guys want to do tight ends or you want to cut us off? Well, now? it's it's quick because there's really only one guy to talk uh, about, right? Oh, there's only one. We'll mention the other guys, but there's really <laughs> one guy to talk about. <laughs> and of oh, course, there's, that's, three. That's, there's three. Yeah, about all three. There's, there's three. Up. We'll we'll mention the other guys, but I, I mean, da- David Njoku had a, had his best season. I mean, uh, made the Pro Bowl and he and he deserved it. Um, he. He really surfaced as a as a leader by example on this team. Uh, 882 yards did not play against the Bengals. I really believe he probably would have hit a thousand yards if he would have played against the Bengals. Uh, six touchdowns, uh, what 81 receptions. I mean, just I mean he he led the team in receptions, um, second in yardage to to Amari, um, and just just a huge season. Uh, made a lot of big plays. Uh, just felt like he took a couple of games over. Um, it w- it was just a lot of fun to watch him play this year. I mean, he had he had two fumbles um, over you know over the whole over the whole season. Um, we, I think we can live with that. Um, you know, he he had a few drops, but he really cleaned that up a lot this year. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I know you guys are going to give him a pass. Other thoughts on on uh, on the chief? I, would, uh, I I I said it uh, for the other guys about them being late round and expectations. Uh, this guy's a first round draft draft pick. Been with the team for what six years? Yeah, yeah, six years. This is probably his breakout season in year six. So our investment is. Uh, taken six years really to pay off to be honest with you because uh there's been question marks in my eyes uh, about david and joku i think he is awesome i think he's great for cleveland personality wise i think okay. his play on the field with his uh size 
speed strength is incredible where he could develop into uh every year being a pro bowl and being a target that uh we should depend on but um i feel like uh there's still something that he needs to uh i feel like there's more i feel like there's a little bit more that we need from david and juke and joku i'm usually positive about everybody and i'm still positive about david and joku but Six years for this to come around. I've been waiting a while. Um, it's actually seven. Is it seven? Seven. He's had other good seasons. I mean, this is the longest time. tenured Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, besides Hewlett. Uh, but uh, Petonio has been around longer. Petonio. Yeah. But, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, I. I feel bad because I don't think I've given him as much love as he deserves, but uh, I feel like this is taking a little bit for this to get going. Um, those couple fumbles you spoke about, I saw them where they were bad fumbles. Uh, it's it's almost like uh, I don't know. I need I I, I I think he's a great player. I think he definitely gets a pass for this season. I think next season is going to be even better, and we got a good thing happening right now because I think from this past season, I think this past season, like you, you see a guy and then he's going to the pro bowl and you see him clowning around the pro bowl and they love that things. And that might change a guy. He might go like this and he might go on a yeah. terror turn into Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? Where he might be the top, uh, uh looked at as the tight end in the league, but, uh, yeah. I, I, I can't help but have that feeling in the back of my head where I feel like I'm a little uh, um, uh, dis- not disappointed, but uh, not as happy as I could be with him. You know what I mean? Does that sound weird? Uh, I mean, I understand, but um, you have it's to. It's hard to uh, get past the history. It is, and we know it's taken a long time to get here. Maybe it's the history with the hype and everything like that, and I wasn't really seeing anything. Uh, Like I said, I love the guy. I think he's awesome. Great season. Um, It's just that I feel like, uh, I don't know, uh, I feel like there's so much more that he can produce. Maybe that's what it is. Well, let me me tell you guys this. And, I mean, I've been as hard on David and Joku as, as Jeff and anybody else, you know, over the years. But this season, I mean, every you know, Travis Kelsey's the measuring stick, guys. And and this season, Travis Kelsey had twelve more catches, a hundred and two more yards, and one less touchdown than David and Joku. Yeah. Kabump, mic drop. But anyways, you know, I mean, seriously. And, and I mean, I know Travis Kelsey's love life probably got in the way this season. But, you know, it's probably why he didn't have 1,300 yards receiving. But, um, you know, it, I think it's Kelsey's first season under 1,000 yards in, in um, like six or seven years. But um, so make Kansas of that City, what Kansas you will. Kansas City had a bit of an off year this year. They, they did. And, and they're still playing, by the way. Well, um, their their defense saved but, their saved their ass <laughs> this year. Yeah, it really did. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm happy with what David and Joku did this year. Um, I'm I'm glad that 
you know, he's he's reached his potential now um, and we can hopefully count on that going forward. I just think we need something else. We need we need another guy that um, can take some of that attention away from him. You know, <laughs> another tight I mean, end. Yeah, like a, like like another another guy that can produce. Yeah. Guys, let's face it. David Njoku was the number two receiver on this team this year, right. essentially. Right. So if you add another a number two receiver or a second tight end, it's you know it's pretty much doing the same thing. I right. mean, yeah. yeah. Can we talk about Jordan Aikens just for a second? I thought he did <laughs> a good job. Fed I wouldn't. I wouldn't like give it more than that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I could tackle Jordan Akins just by going over and like shoving him. He caught the ball though, Rod. He caught the ball. I mean, I, I want a tight end who can break a damn tackle, Jeremy. Right. Jordan Akins looks like he can't get body tight a little bit. And Jeremy, I think your mom could tackle Jordan Akins. <laughs> She's tough. She, I'm sure she is. She would probably be swearing while she did it. I mean, it's no offense to Jordan Akins, but man, early in the season, I swear to God, he—I don't know how many—he probably didn't break two tackles all season. He caught the ball though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he had very, very underwhelming. He had 15 catches. He had 15 catches all season. Okay, our second tight end. You're talking about our third tight end right now. A guy that was catching the ball. I'm not expecting much out of this guy except for blocking. <laughs> I, I want I want somebody who can break a tackle. I mean, the guys out if the guys out there who weighs 250 pounds and a and you know and a DB tries to tackle him, the DB should not be able to tackle him on the first. You know, the one guy. Okay, I. I give Harrison Bryant a lot more credit than Jordan Akins, and I know Harrison Bryant's probably in front of him on the depth chart. Maybe I don't know, but Harrison yeah. Bryant was out there playing fullback and and Everything. you know and sometimes quarterback and whatever the team needed. You know, out of the playbook. Yeah, I. I anyways, oh. I think it's irrelevant because I don't think either one of them is going to be back. Probably um, not. And and. No. I mean, let's let's be fair to Harrison Bryant. He was brought in here because he was the number one pass catching tight end in college football. He um, he's you know he's six he five, two hundred thirty pounds. He's barely larger than some of the the wide receivers in this league. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he. I mean, to to use him as a multi purpose guy, he's he's a little bit uh, you know out of his depth. I think. Um, yeah. So you know, yeah, the, I like. What David Njoku did, um, I really need to see us bring in a bruiser to complement Njoku. We need to have a guy that that can can road grade for our running backs, um, that can can you know protect our quarterbacks and, and get out you know in front of our quarterbacks when they scramble. I mean, we just need a, another multi-dimensional tight end on this team. And we we didn't get that this year. We we got bits and pieces of 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 a number two and three guy. It it can be two different guys too. If you're you know you, you can bring in a guy who can block like an offensive lineman, you know, and, and catch an occasional ball, and you can bring in another guy who, who 
who is a bigger version of Harrison Bryant who can, you know, well, be stay a, tuned be a, because yeah. when we get into when we get to April, there's there's going to be some guys that we're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I, I know you're going to keep pushing tight ends until the Browns actually draft until they somebody. finally get yes. off their ass and actually draft <laughs> one. Yes. <laughs> are we supposed to be a tight end team? Did we talk about that about Stepanski's offense? Well, yeah. I mean, how many times did we see that? Right? We'll see if Ken Dorsey has any influence on and if he's a two tight end guy or not, and what his right. true role is with the team, whether it's you know to to carry the clipboard or if it's really to to do something. Yeah, got to do something. I'll be there. He's going to be a part of the team, and he's going to help out. Right. Yeah. Same with Alex Van Pelt. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's got a role on the team. You know what I mean? Uh, they yeah. say that Alex Van Pelt was the guy that held the glue together to get guys in and out, positioning, you know what I mean, coaches, like, getting guys supposed to be in on certain plays or whatever, like, where you'd be overlooking things. So, you know, it's, it's just going to pick up. I mean, these guys are – they're professionals. It should, it shouldn't skip a beat. I'm, I'm confident in the way that we're growing, where we're not in the past where it's like, well, I know I wouldn't have said this uh, eight, nine years ago or whatever, uh, where it was like, yeah, there's no way in hell I would have went like this and said, well, we won't skip a beat. We'll get a different offensive coordinator. This guy comes in. We'll work as a team. But I'm confident in the way these guys are actually, act, actually acting together. Uh, as in, like, the front office, coaches, players, it seems like we're on page with each other where we can kind of plug and play and bring people in. I'm not upset if we end up losing some of these guys that we love because they played for us and bringing new guys in because um, I'm confident it's, it's what good teams do. Yep. The interesting thing, and then we'll close things out, guys, is, is that um, the Browns replaced – the two coaches who you can see and, and and who have direct responsibility for things to happen on the field, they replaced those guys last year and the defensive coordinator and special teams coach. Mm-hmm. Guys who are coming in now, um, you're going to watch and things are going to happen and you're going to wonder, you know, was that the OC? Was that Stefanski? You know, um, you know, the running game is better. Was that the running back coach? Was that the new offensive line coach? You know, um, and some some of the same things on like the new defensive line coach. You know, is he going to get credit or, you know, or is it going to go to Schwartz? Um, it's going to be hard for the fans to really judge these new coaches. It's going to be more judging the team, I think, as a whole and how they do coming up where whereas last year it was easier to look at the special teams and what what difference did Bubba make and what difference did Schwartz make so yeah. so I don't I don't think you'll be having guys people call for heads of any of the new specific you know specifically any one of the new head coaches or not or any one of the new position coaches or coordinators yeah. so. mm-hmm. anyway so uh We've gone a while, guys. But it's been it's been fun, yeah. Um, we're we're down to offensive line, and we'll pick it up there next week. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so yeah. So, uh, so Jeremy, yes, sir. You're the guest. We're gonna let you uh, 
let you uh, say whatever you like in closing. Um, any any words or uh, words of wisdom or anything you like to leave the listeners with? Yeah, um, well, first, it's awesome being with you guys. Thank you. I appreciate you getting a hold of me. Um, it's uh, a little different having Jeff here. Uh, I think it's I think it's uh, I think it's a big positive. I think it's I think it's even better. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Jeez. Happy to be here with Jeff. Um, the, the, I said it before about like um, these guys were just stepping up the whole season. Uh, I said it last time I was on the pod where I just smile on my face the whole season. Like so many good moments that we've had. Uh, I see our team getting better because you see – the guys that uh, isn't going to be on the team is going to be on other teams where normally in the past we would see them not have a job anymore. They was probably going to be in a grocery store or whatever trying to fill a row. <laughs> Pay the bills. But these guys are uh, brought in for a reason, and uh, I feel like they're they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Um we're going to be rolling soon. I feel good about the offense next year, what we've been talking about tonight. Um, got a lot of guys coming back healthy. I tell everybody here in the area that's all these damn Ravens and Steeler fans uh, that I can't wait to see our guy, our actual starting lineup healthy next year, you know what I mean? Because uh, this past year we've seen a bunch of patchwork, and they did damn good for a bunch of patchwork. Uh, all these guys, I'm very proud of them. Uh, we, we got, uh, salary cap issues that, uh, I guess, uh, doesn't mean anything. So we can basically <laughs> trade and pick up whoever we want. Sign them all. Sign, Sign them all. all. Sign them all. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, one thing that was earlier that I did want to mention that I didn't get to say when you, uh, brought up Callahan and, uh, you was talking a little bit about DPJ uh, the Browns sent DPJ in a trade that uh, really wasn't anything that benefited us. Uh, it actually hurt us because it, we could have used DPJ on this run for the playoffs. Uh, the experience of a guy that's been on the team for uh, uh, a couple years now. And we sent him to D Detroit for the betterment of the player because we knew he wasn't re-signing a guy. Um, you could tell that the Browns and uh, – um, like the player DPJ was, uh, they, they, they both loved each other where they, they wanted to make each other happy. And I think they're doing that with Callahan. And, uh, I know I, I don't have it written down off, off hand. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I know they've done it in the past and that builds good relationships with future players in the future. You make good business decisions. You make, uh, uh, good things that go beyond football. It, it benefits you, and uh, I see nothing but good things in our future from that. You know what I mean? Whether it be karma, whether it be deals in the future, but um, I see a lot of good things here. Yeah, I mean, Browns are looking good, positive in the future. Uh, uh, all those people that want to go like this and just uh, like shit on the team or certain players or whatever, uh, there again, they can kick rocks. You know what I mean? I'm in it to win it. I think <laughs> Uh, we got we got Haslam that's willing to open up his, his pocketbook. He wants to win in Cleveland. I really want to watch him win in Cleveland. 
Um, we got a lot to look forward to, um, and I can't wait to the day that we can sit here and put our hands up and say that we are the champions. And I think it's going to be sooner than rather than later. And that's optimistic, but you know what? It's reality because they are changing the way they're doing it. They're building it the right way. We have guys that's going in there and you look at what we had this past year with all the line and everything. We made it happen with guys I've never heard of rod and I'm a Brown. I know. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. That's 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 basically everything uh, that I have to say. Uh, I can't wait All until right. next week to hear you guys talk to somebody new. All <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeff, closing thoughts tonight. Well, Jeremy, it's always a blast hanging out with you. And, and I, again, I really appreciate you having me on your show tonight. Um, ah, come on now. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the thing about this past season that the, and and you know going over the offensive players is that this is really the area that we struggled with this year you know the year before it was the defense we were really disjointed on defense this year we were really sort of disjointed on offense and you just got to think that one of these years we're going to get it right on both sides of the ball yeah. <laughs> we're gonna yeah you know we're gonna yeah. we're not gonna have all it but um this 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 group really overachieved i think um the, the next man up mentality. You have to give all these guys credit for the roles that they played. Uh, whether we gave them a good grade, a bad grade, or an incomplete, um, we won 11 football games with this group. And, you know, that's that's not an easy thing to do in the NFL. So you have to be happy. You have to be, like Jeremy said, uh, enthusiastic about, you know, where the team is headed and the ability to put a good roster together again for the fall. We know there's going to be changes. We're going to spend the next several weeks talking about what they can and should be. Um, but overall, um, for a team that, that really just never gelled on offense, um, it's pretty impressive what this group was able to accomplish. That's for sure. That's for sure. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.